one of the bigger mistakes is probably trying to do too many things at the same time. Trying to create the overall legal tech in a very short time of frame. It's just impossible. It's not doable. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how Ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Seth Colliner, and I'm here with Thomas Barotti, who is a legal tech advisor. And Thomas, why don't you just introduce yourself and more about your background and what you've done and what you do now? Sure. Happy to do so. Actually, I was for six, seven years, I was the legal CEO at UBS. So I basically, I was basically the head legal operations. That was my last position at UBS. I was about 25 plus years with UBS. I retired last year, and since then, I became a board member or and or advisory capacity of a couple of legal services and legal tech companies. One of them is United Lex. I think they're, they're pretty known in the U.S. Then I'm also involved with two legal tech startups in New York. One is Catilex. The other one is Pursuit, which is a little bit bigger. And then I'm, last but not least, I'm also on the board of a company in Switzerland, which is called Interim Legal. And they're basically providing temporary lawyers, temporary resources, predominantly for the Swiss market. So kind of the purpose of this episode with you today is getting just some perspective of the whole kind of legal tech market, just where we are. Things change very fast, and they've changed very dramatically over the last several years. So let's start with just an overview of the legal tech space. How has it evolved over the past seven years or so? Okay, fantastic question, actually. I like that question because I think for all of us, and I, I guess that's actually true for many listeners, if you're going to a conference, then you get the impression that there wasn't a lot of movement over the last seven years. But actually, I believe it's actually not true. So if you just first look at what's the available tech stack right now, either for a law firm or a corporate legal department, I think this has substantially evolved over the last seven years. Just think about things like, you know, e-discovery, meta management, e-billing, document management solutions, contract lifecycle management solutions, contract analytics. And then recently over the last couple of months or half in the year, half or six months, the development that we have seen on generative AI. So I think the tech stack overall has really substantially progressed. This, by the way, I haven't mentioned that there's thousands of legal tech startups worldwide. Actually, there are some databases where you can look for yourself. So Stanford, I think, has a database with about 3,000, 3,500 legal tech startups somewhere around that area. But there's also clearly investment into this space. So that's probably the hard fact. But fact is also, if you compare legal with other, let's say, middle and back office functions like finance, HR, then the technology penetration is still relatively low. And I think that's more a fact that the function just, it took a little bit longer and it's also, the function also started later to really invest into technology. So overall, I think from a rational perspective, very good progress. There's really, in my view, there's now really a mature tech stack available compared to seven years ago. We're just dealing with a function where it just takes a little bit longer. The penetration and the adoption of technology just takes longer. And legal is notoriously slow to change and adapt to new technologies, right? And so let's pick up that thread. Given how arduous that the process of bringing a new technology is for organizations, especially in legal, how do you avoid getting tripped up by all the hype? 
Yeah, my main focus is on corporate legal departments. And, and what I'm still seeing quite often is that a big portion of corporate legal departments do not yet have really a well-defined strategy. And with strategy, I mean first a functional strategy and then derived out of that a technology strategy. And I think if you want to navigate the hype, you need to be crystal clear. And the only ballpark or guiding light that actually can give you that clarity is your own strategy. If you haven't defined a strategy for a department, where you want to be in three years, in five years, what kind of relationship do you want to build with the business? And with that, then also a clear understanding where are the pain points, where are the areas where we actually should excel, then obviously it's obviously difficult then to navigate the space. So that so for me that the main recommendation is always checking first whether there is a proper strategy in place. How is that strategy defined? Are there clearly defined objectives, short-term, mid-term, long-term on the business side, but also also for the technology space? And I think that's the way how you can actually navigate the hype because it's, it's going to give you the guidance where you can actually then decide, is that important for us? Yes or no. Is that an area where we want to invest? And then you can actually then be much more proactive and then look at the market in specific these areas. I think it's also easier to define requirements for specific technology projects. That's interesting. And by the strategy, you mean aligned with the, the overall strategy of the business. Absolutely. That's absolutely crucial. I think it always starts with the overall business strategy and what your clients actually need, because that's what the function is here for. If you put yourself in the shoes of a corporate legal department, it's actually providing the legal advice in very generic terms that the business actually needs and that the business needs to be successful. So you cannot define a functional strategy without first understanding and having enough know-how of the business strategy. And then you can derive a functional strategy out of that. You can also derive a target operating model for the function out of that. And then you can actually define a technology strategy, like other strategies as well, a data strategy or a view on what kind of processes are important, a view on how you actually want to run, manage, and organize the legal department, and also what kind of objectives actually important for the legal department. All of that always in an ideal world should start with the business strategy. So that requires the legal team to be close to the C-suite, right? How do you think that has changed over the past several years? Because I've heard this a lot across different markets in procurement and legal and HR, getting closer to the board, to where the decisions are made and having a seat at that table. How has that changed in the last several years? I think the channel councils always had obviously very good access to the CEO, to the executive committee, to the board. I think what we have seen over the last couple of years is more and more discussion about how can the legal function actually bring value to the business beyond just purely supporting transactions? Because fact is, and I think legal is in a fantastic position, in the end, everything that happens in a company or also with regard to how a company wants to change is that's going to have a legal impact sooner or later. So I think what we have seen over the last couple of years is, is a shift from a, let's say, more reactive role so you're waiting until the business has a problem or moving that into much more pro proactive role. And I think there's a lot of value that the legal department can provide in that space because it's actually going to see things much earlier. It can point to potential upcoming risks, but it can also point to 
potential upcoming opportunities. And in that sense, it's very different to many other middle and back office functions. How are you going to do this from a finance perspective? Still, you're going to see everything what's happening in your company, but more from a financial perspective. So obviously you can influence the strategy, but this kind of this radar screen of what's actually out there and what might happen, I think legal is in a really unique position. And that's what I see with the leading legal teams. They're trying to add to the high quality advisory role, really also this, in addition to this, you could call it a business enablement role, or actually a much more strategic role, which is really trying in a holistic way to provide value to the company overall. So let's hold that as just a true thing. You have to be part of that. You have to have a strategy plugged into the business strategy. So let's go a step lower about how to build a long-term strategy for building the actual tech stack, right? So we're aligned with the business. But now we actually have to implement all this tech. How should organizations go about executing that long-term strategy? Yeah, I think obviously you need to first understand what's already in place. Whenever it comes to technology, normally you can't start with a green field, right? So you already have some technology in place. Your company has a lot of technology solutions already in place. And by the way, just as a side remark, I think many corporate legal departments would also benefit from understanding what kind of technology stacks are already available. And then trying to leveraging that. Actually, in my first years as UBS, we provided a couple of solutions where we basically leveraged technology, which was already in the house, which was already used by the company, but by other functions. Understanding the business strategy, understanding what kind of technology stack you have right now, that's really the starting point. And then I think understanding what kind of data is important for you and in what kind of way can you access it already. That's another big problem that if you're running a big corporate legal department, that doesn't automatically mean that you have access to all of the data that flows in and out of the legal department. Five years ago, 10 years ago, a lot of it was actually inside of emails or inside of attachments. So you need to first find ways to actually getting access to that data. And in my view, these three points it's like a triangle, plus then your funding capacity, your investment capacity, which is obviously often a limiting factor, not only from a money perspective, but also from a project management capability and change management capability perspective. That's the restricting factor. And I think you need to triangle this or really you basically square these four points. And then on the back of that, it's possible to define a technology strategy. And I would always define it in a way where you have a long-term vision and then break this into phases, three months, six months, nine months, whatever you like. But I think creating something like a, a roadmap, which can actually be executed with smaller projects. So the way I personally always looked at technology implementation was basically by running a project portfolio that get changed over time. If you're applying a more agile approach, then you're actually doing sprints. So you can actually break this down the longer-term achievement of a longer-term vision into smaller steps. And then it also gets easier from a project management perspective and from a change management perspective. This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkeen's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. I'm putting myself in the shoes of the people who are, tr who are trying to make this happen, trying to execute what you just described. What are some of the common mistakes, common pitfalls that go along this path? 
I can only share a little bit some experiences that I had with the positions that I had. But I think one of the bigger mistakes is probably trying to do too many things at the same time. Trying to create the overall legal tech in a very short time of frame. It's just impossible. It's not doable. So in my view, what's very important because so many corporate legal departments are, I would say probably at the middle or at the beginning of a longer term tech journey, breaking this down into steps and projects that you can really execute and that do show results in a very short time frame is absolutely important. And that's more a question of reducing the complexity and reducing the scope. So actually aiming a little bit lower, saying, okay, I have a team XYZ, they could benefit from XYZ, the solution or an 80-20 solution sometime, doesn't need to be completely perfect. I think it's really important just splicing that into smaller steps, executing these steps, getting results, communicating the results and the benefits, because that's extremely important also to drive the change management agenda. For your own organization, it's going to be so much easier to cope with change if you can see left and right smaller things which are happening and which are actually improving the life of people. So I would always caution you for, and I think we, I did similar mistakes. We Sometimes we just aimed for projects we were just too big or we just came too early. The organization wasn't yet ready. So just really being realistic about that and rather than moving forward in a certain way, kind of incremental steps, but steps where there's a high likelihood that you can achieve it and where you actually then, as I said, use the results and the benefits for communication purposes to showcase it and to help the organization to adopt and to drive the change is really important. We really can't talk about enterprise tech these days without talking about AI. So we're going to talk about AI for just a second. AI goes through hype cycles, and we are currently in one that is maybe not bigger than others, but certainly intense. It's very intense. Where have you seen AI land in the legal tech space, especially this past year? Just about what we're seeing now, I believe. I think this is absolutely transformational. You can check my LinkedIn profile. I'm also an angel investor and basically only invested into that space. I think what we have now seen with ChatGPT as an example over the last six, seven months is that's going to have substantial implications for the legal function. It's so just using it. If you're using it as a private person to improve your emails or whatever, it's going to be absolutely transformational. So I'm absolutely convinced just a matter of time that we basically have opened a different door, particularly for the legal function. So every function which is where there is core knowledge management work. And that's actually what lawyers are in the end are doing. They're changing data, you know, they're writing memos and so on. So this technology is going to be absolutely fundamental. And I'm trying to observe as good as possible the, the legal tech startup space in this area and fantastic solutions coming up over the last couple of months. We will see that's going to end up in the function. It's going to take time. Because we talked about technology adoption is not that fast. Technology penetration is not yet very high, but it's going to happen. And it's going to have substantial implications on how legal services are being provided. I see a lot of opportunities to really make the life of lawyers much better in the sense of there are ways that they can deliberate themselves from recurring standard, easier questions starting to focus much more on the strategically important questions for the company they're working for. And that's, by the way, that's going to enhance then the, the value that the legal function 
or the strategic value that the legal function actually can provide. What would you say to some folks who have hesitation or fear or, or have even outright banned certain types of AI from the organizations? It's just any new technology is going to have some of that, right? That happens. And AI, and especially this current round of AI, can feel a bit like magic. And that is alarming to people whose job it is to mitigate risk, right? So I, I've caught some of this around in the legal space. So people are like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. This is a terrible idea. What would you say to those folks? I think the first reaction I don't want to have to do with that, I think in my personal belief, I personally believe that's wrong. Because the gene is out of the bottle. You can use it right now, every day. It's going to be much, much more use cases, but it's actually already here. And I'm pretty sure when we see the first stats in some months or, I don't know, over the next year, I believe also the penetration of generative AI and LLMs in various functions is already probably much higher than what we right now, right now believe. So closing the eyes, in my view, is wrong. My recommendation is, it's a new technology. Every technology has pros and cons, has risks, can create benefits. The only way to figure that out is by getting involved, by starting to try it either as a company or as an individual, and then trying to find ways to actually getting involved into the discussion. And there, fundamentally, there are two discussions. One is, what are the risks related to AI? How can we regulate and control that? Extremely important discussion, and society will find solutions. I'm absolutely convinced that's going to happen because this technology can be dangerous and can actually be dangerous for humanity, for society overall. So it's important that we as a society think about how we should regulate this, what should we allow, what should we not allow. And if you observe this over the last couple of months, there's clearly already progress in that space. There's also sensitivity for that topic that's important. And then the other big discussion is, which is more the innovation-related discussion, what are the potential use cases? How could I use this in the legal space? How can I use this for contract analytics? How can I use this to create smarter ways to deal with legal requests from the business? Just to mention two examples. Other right now, a third fantastic example is Search capabilities on unstructured data as another, or analytical capabilities on unstructured data. So what I'm personally trying to do, because I have a little bit of time, I would work 10 hours a day. I'm really trying to get involved into both of these discussions and I'm trying to be as good as possible on top what creative people are right now doing with this technology. What is the best advice you've received in your career? It's very simple. I had a one of my very first bosses told me, your career is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I was very young at that time. And I thought, okay, you know, why? It really took me some time to reflect on that. And then I, over time, I realized it's really, in the end, it's about your capability to be able to recharge your batteries. Because I think as you're getting older, we were very long, right? my career is 30 plus years somewhere in that space. And if I look back, I was lucky that I got this advice very early and then tried and found actually ways where personally, you know, as an individual was able to recharge my batteries whenever it was time. That's good advice. Is there anything you want to promote or share about yourself or your organization? And if people want to contact you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, about myself, I think the best way is to contact me on LinkedIn. Whoever wants to be connected with me, just feel free to reach out on LinkedIn. And then because I'm involved with a couple of companies, 
the best way is to basically consult their web pages. Like the web page of United Lex has fantastic stuff. So I encourage all listeners to check what Pursuit is doing, what Catilex is doing. It's fantastic work in the legal analytical space. The entry point is always the web page. Excellent. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for your time and expertise today. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkin community at tonkin.com slash community.